0: Chapter 6 of The Statement of Stella Maybury by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6 When I recovered consciousness, I found myself lying in bed in my own room. It was later than my usual hour for rising, and I felt dazed and confused. Someone had come in and drawn my curtains, for the sun was striking in on the cut glass bottles on my dressing table and making dancing prismatic flecks and bars on the ceilings and walls, at which I lay gazing with a languid sense of pleasure. There was something reassuring in the pretty room and the wholesome sunlight, and though I had a vague recollection of having lately been through some awful experience, it was merely as of a dream too fantastically horrible to bear thinking of. Presently there came a tap at my door, and I heard Evelyn's voice asking if she might come in. She entered, looking so fresh and fair, that I wondered why my heart sank at the sound of her voice, and why the sight of her filled me with an almost ungovernable terror. I've brought you some breakfast, she said, as she set down the tray. We didn't like to disturb you before, as you seemed to be sleeping so soundly. I hope you're quite recovered by this time. I have had a bad night, I think, I said, but I've not been ill, have I? she smiled. Then you have forgotten how you alarmed me and indeed the whole house by suddenly fainting in the drawing room last night. I had to call Aunt Lucy and have you carried upstairs. Did you fancy you saw something that frightened you, Stella, or how was it? I saw nothing in the room but our two selves. I looked at her and saw that in spite of her assumed innocence and unconsciousness, Her eyes were watching my face uneasily. And then the whole scene came back to me and I turned from her shuddering. Oh, I remember, I cried. My God, it it was no dream. It's true, true. I know you now. You're not my Evelyn. Don't touch me. Don't come near me. Why, my dearest Stella, she said soothingly. What does all this mean? What extraordinary idea has taken hold of you? You must be dreaming still. Who else should I be but Evelyn? I saw at once that she was anxious to undo the effect of her revelation last night and persuade me that I had imagined it all, as if that was possible. I do not know who you are, I said, but you are not Evelyn. Nothing you can say will ever make me believe that again. Evelyn is dead, and I am to blame. And you, fiend, devil, evil spirit, whatever you may be, have taken her form to torment me. But I will have no dealings with you, do you hear? You cannot compel me to accept you as as what you only seem. I will not breathe the same air with you. Her mouth quivered pathetically. She looked sweetly grieved. Why do you treat me as if I were your enemy? She asked softly. Why should I wish to harm you? And what reason have you for even assuming that I'm wicked at all? Will you dare to pretend that you're Evelyn Heseltine, I said? It will be useless after what you said last night. As you please, she said. I'm not Evelyn Heseltine, then. What am I? That is not so easy to say. Not so very long ago I was a human being, living my life on this earth, in this very England. I do not claim to have been a saint. If I had been a better woman, my soul would not have been within hearing of your call. Thanks to your prayer, I was released from the penance that such as I must undergo, permitted to return to this dear, warm, beautiful world. I am young, I seem to be rich, I'm good to look at, and I owe all this to you. Think whether I am likely to be ungrateful, whether whatever I have been in the past, I may not be willing to avoid laying up worse punishment for myself in the future. I'm ready to be your friend, and you repulse me as if I were some evil thing. You are evil, I cried. I feel it all your fair words all your sweet looks cannot deceive me say what you please i will have nothing to do with you are you so ungrateful stella she murmured reproachfully when you owe me so much ungrateful what have i to be grateful to you for i asked well much i should have imagined What would be your position now if I had not come to your rescue? Your friend would be lying dead in that room there. You would be under suspicion at all events of having had some share in her death. You seem to have allowed your jealousy and resentment to be apparent enough. At the best, you would be thrown on to the world penniless and with a cloud hanging over your name. Whereas, who can accuse you? Who can suspect you now? Who will ever guess that I am not the real Evelyn? Unless, of course, you are mad enough to suggest it to them. Still, I tried to break through the meshes of cajolery in which I felt I was being entangled. I will say nothing, I said, but I cannot live on here in this house with you. I will go away. I must. I cannot do without you, Stella, she said. This new existence, which you, you, remember, have summoned me into, is still strange and unfamiliar. I want a guide, someone to instruct me in all it is necessary to know about myself, or I shall make blunders, which if they don't betray our little secret, will certainly set people speculating and gossiping. No, for your own sake, you must stay with me. Stay, I cried, stay and lend myself to such a ghastly mockery. How can I? How can I? Of course you can, she said, and of course you will. There is nothing else to be done. Come, Stella, she added more gently. We cannot undo the past, either you or I, so let us make the best of it. Don't harden your foolish heart against me any more. Trust yourself to me. You will not find me hard or cruel so long as you do your best to please me. What we two alone know will only link us closer together. In time you will even come to forget that I am not your own dear Evelyn. I can make you love me better than ever you loved her if only you will let me try. Tell me that we are to be friends couldn't resist her any longer. I felt so utterly helpless, the situation was so terrible that I caught at any compromise. I told myself that she might have spoken the truth, she might have come to save me. I could almost believe that it was Evelyn's very self that was pleading with me for my love and confidence. And so I yielded. I let her fold me in her arms and kiss me on the lips with a fierce possession that made me shiver. Now you are my own Stella, she whispered caressingly. We understand one another, do we not? We are allies from this moment. Unnatural and unholy as such a compact was, it brought me a delusive comfort just then. If only she would be kind, if she could indeed make me forget even for a time, was it not as much as I could hope for now? As soon as I had come downstairs, Evelyn, though it is repugnant to me to use that beloved name in connection with the spirit that had taken her form, I find myself compelled to do so, Evelyn insisted that as I was now quite recovered I should accompany her on a round of inspection of the gardens and stables. I knew that she wanted me to instruct her in all the details of an existence necessarily still unfamiliar to her and I submitted passively, feeling all the while that I was sinking to the level of an accomplice. She was extraordinarily quick in turning all my answers to account. Not one of the servants we met and whom she spoke to suspected for a moment that she was anything but the young mistress they adored. Nothing untoward happened until we entered the stables, where Roy, Evelyn's favourite collie, was lying in his kennel. At the first sight of her he had sprung forward to the full length of his chain, barking with delight, but as she came nearer I saw the dog's manner suddenly change. His bark died away into a terrified whine and his hair bristled and he retreated before her growling and showing his fangs. I noticed Evelyn's colour change, though she showed no sign of fear. He seems very strange today, she said quietly. "'as the collie slunk into his kennel where he lay snarling. "'What can be the matter with him?' she asked Reynolds, the coachman, "'who happened to come out at that moment. "'I haven't noticed anything, Miss Evelyn,' he said. "'Oh, for the Lord's sake, keep back, Miss!' he cried the next instant, "'as she was about to go up and pat the dog's head. "'He means mischief, sure enough!' "'He had just time to seize her arm and draw her out of reach "'as the dog made a sudden spring.' Had the chain not been a strong one, nothing could have saved her from being torn to pieces. Oh, come away, I cried to her. Come, before he breaks free. She stood there just beyond his reach, calmly looking down on the furious animal as it strove again and again to fly at her throat. You go, she replied, if you're afraid to stop. I'm quite able to take care of myself. I was afraid terribly afraid. The effect which her presence produced on the collie, as gentle and good-tempered a creature in ordinary as ever breathed, came home to me like a rebuke. I could not bear it and fled back to the garden. There Evelyn joined me later. Why, Stella, you're actually trembling still. What a coward you are! What is there to be so afraid of?' The dog knew, I answered hoarsely. What's the use of my being silent? You'll never silence him. He's quiet enough now, she replied. Come and see for yourself. Wondering what strange spell she could have used to subdue the animal so soon, I let her lead me back to the stable yard, and there one glance at the dog, as he lay on his side with glazed eyes and protruded tongue, told me that he was silenced only too effectually. It is done then, she said to Reynolds, who was standing gloomily by the body. I hope the poor creature suffered no pain. No, Miss Evelyn, said the coachman. I gave him some prussic acid as was put by in the harness room. He went off quite quiet, Miss. He licked my hand as I gave him the stuff the man added, with a catch in his voice, for he had been fond of the dog. "'He seemed himself again the minute you'd gone, Miss Evelyn. I can't account for his breaking out as he did no I can't. Tain't as if he'd shown any sign of it before.' He would never have flown at me like that unless he had been mad. "'Quite dangerously mad,' said Evelyn. I am dreadfully grieved that it should have been necessary to have him put out of the way, but it was too great a risk to run, was it not, Stella? Her eyes shone with the sweetest pity, her tone would have sounded to most ears only tender and womanly, and yet on mine the words fell with a suggestion of hideous hypocrisy. They seemed to bear a covert menace addressed to me alone.' And from that moment all the old repulsion and dread which she had so nearly lulled awoke once more with an intensity that turned me sick and faint. It was in vain to delude myself any longer. Whatever spirit this might be that wore evil in shape, looked at me with her fair eyes and spoke in her sweet voice, I knew now that it was altogether evil, a thing essentially false cunning and relentless. And I, miserable woman that I was, I was committed to this alliance. I was paralysed by the conviction that if I ventured to thwart or oppose her, she would make me feel her power in some terrible form that would plunge me into yet deeper misery and subjection. End of chapter 6